Good morning. Welcome to Jesus and Coffee with Pastor Tom, where we have a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And this morning, we are in Proverbs 15, looking at verse 8 through 10. So let's go ahead and say a word of prayer and get started. Father, we come before you now. Thank you for this morning. Be honored, glorified as we study your word. Draw us near to you and teach us something new today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's look at the notes. So again, as I say every every single one of these devotions, Proverbs, especially where we've been the last couple chapters, are little fortune cookie statements. They're little nuggets of wisdom given to us by King Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived apart from Jesus Christ. And he is giving us practical practical truths that we can apply to our life. Many of them are very straightforward, very simple. But what I love about Proverbs and what I've learned in studying through this, and it's just become more prevalent than ever before. I took a class. I took a class on Proverbs, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember much of it at all. (laughs) I wrote a lot. I studied a lot with these Proverbs wrote um, some short papers on different ones, and I just don't remember. So this is a big refresher for me. But what I'm learning through this is that Proverbs, it's based on the two greatest commandments. All of these these little practical statements of wisdom that have a practical application, of course, for everyday living, also have a spiritual application as well. And in many ways, they're like a, a metaphor for a deeper spiritual truth. And, and all of them, in some way, stand upon loving God with all your heart and loving others. And you can trace every single one of them back to that. And I don't think that's by coincidence. I don't think it just accidentally happened. I think Solomon, who is very wise, who understands what it means to know God and to love him, and to love others, knew what he was doing when he was writing this. And he understands that everything is built upon knowing and loving God. So we're going to look again at three more verses today based upon that fact. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Anyone who knows the New Testament is going to look at this passage and it's probably going to take their mind directly to some of the experiences that Jesus had with um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He dealt with um, explaining to the people about how they were hypocritical, right? They, They knew all the right things to say. They knew the truth of God's word, which many, especially the Pharisees, they were a group of spiritual leaders that would memorize just about the entirety of the Old Testament scripture. Okay, they they were they knew they knew the Bible better than than practically every preacher today. Okay. <laughs> I don't memorize the whole Bible. I don't. I don't have it memorized. But they would memorize it, yet their hearts were lost. They didn't know God. They didn't they didn't practice what they preached, essentially. And they loved themselves more than they loved others. And this wasn't all the Pharisees. 
okay? This was not all of them. There were many who were very godly men who genuinely sought truth. You know, Nicodemus was one of them. He came to Jesus at night. He had respect for Jesus. He wanted to know the truth. He genuinely was seeking what he knew in the Old Testament, and he wanted to, to know God more. I truly believe that. And uh, there were many others, but there were many who were not. So this verse applies directly to that whole situation. And it's a warning and a reminder for us as well. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. This also reminds me of Cain and Abel. We know the story of Cain and Abel, right? They come and these two brothers, they come and present a sacrifice to God, each of them. Abel brings um, his, the firstborn lamb of his flock, okay? Um, the best he had to offer, let's put it that way. He brought his best to give to God. Cain brought a bunch of vegetables, okay? It was not his best. He was just going through the motions in, in his sacrifice to God. And see, God is, is God, and he knows all things. He's omniscient, and he knows what you're thinking, and he knows your feelings, and he knows your intentions. So he knows if it's genuine or not. He knows if what you're presenting physically to him is a genuine genuine expression of love for him in your heart. And that's the reason he didn't accept Cain's offering. It wasn't because he was a meat and potato kind of God and he wanted lamb chops and he preferred that over the vegetables that Cain brought. That wasn't it. He knew Cain's heart and Cain was just going through the motions. He was presenting a sacrifice, yet he didn't really do it out of love. So it was pointless. Whereas Abel did it out of faith, as Hebrews 12 tells us, that Abel presented his sacrifice with genuine faith in his heart, so God accepted it. How many people go to church today to pretty much present sacrifice to God, not through animal offering, but by dying to themselves and sacrificing the, their selfish desires and, and to love God and put Him first? And they're coming into worship on Sunday morning, and they're dressing nice, and they're singing the songs, and they're being polite and kind, and they're doing all the motions, but in their heart, there really is no love for God. There's no faith there. It's no different than Cain. It's no different than a sacrifice of the wicked as an abomination to the Lord. What he desires, what he genuinely desires is your heart. The prayer of the upright is acceptable to him, and God knows if you're genuine or not. He knew the Pharisees who were praying in the streets loudly, you know, acting like they were more spiritual than everyone else, and they would fast and openly talk about their fasting as if they're fantastic and wonderful, and God knows their hearts, and he knew it wasn't genuine. Verse 9 actually follows verse 8 directly, except it focuses more on the actions of the individual. Verse 9 says, The way of the wicked, the way of the wicked, is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. You've heard it said, actions speak louder than words, and that is very true. And although that is not a verse in the Bible, the Bible, the Bible teaches that truth in many different ways, in many different places in Scripture. Um, and James is one, you know, your actions express what's in your heart, and that's the exact same thing, that lesson we, we get from Cain and Abel, that lesson we get um, from Hebrews 12, we get it from James, and talking about that faith without works is dead. Our actions should express what's in our 
hearts. And the same goes for Proverbs here. Um, those who, who speak truth and they tell people truth, but then they don't live that truth out, it's an abomination to the Lord. If you genuinely love God with all your heart, then your actions will stem from that. Okay, They will show other people that. And those who pursue righteousness, as verse 9 says, are those who seek to know and love God. And here's the thing. Here's the, the miracle of the gospel and the greatest commandment. A person who genuinely sees the glory of God, they taste and see that the Lord is good, as Psalms would say. They change. It's a miracle. It's a work in their heart that God, God does. Their eyes are open to see his glory, the joy that comes from knowing the Lord. And then naturally, after they taste how good the glory of God is and his righteousness, then they automatically want to start doing righteous things. They want to act righteously. They want to pursue those things. Okay, and it's that's such a practical truth, right? And those who 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 are married, those who are dating, when you came across that person, that your spouse, um, and you begin dating, and, and you were you were inspired by that person, you 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 were attracted to them. There was something about them, you know, that drew you to that person. It was natural for you to do things to pursue them, right? To want to spend more time with them. You didn't just have to make all those decisions and, and push yourself to do it. No, because you had experienced the joy of knowing that person and spending time with them. You naturally wanted to find more reasons to spend time with that person and do more things with them. Okay, And it's the same way in our relationship with God. And when you experience his glory, you want to, you just naturally are drawn to him. You're attracted to him. You want to get to know him more. You, you pursue him. And it's not something that's hard that you have to do and it's challenging. And, oh, I've got to go spend time with God again today. Now, now it, may, it may feel like that later on as you work in your faith and you, you stay faithful. But when it's genuine, and you taste and see that the Lord is good, you're drawn to him. And he loves him who pursues righteousness. Now, verse 10 says, There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Now, the Bible, the New Testament, um, and we see this in 1 John, it talks about a sin unto death. There is a sin that... Is, is so bad, I guess you could say, that it cannot be forgiven. And when you hear me say it that way, you're probably thinking, how is that even possible? No, no, God will forgive anything regardless of how bad it is. Well, to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one thing that is necessary for salvation to reject it cannot be forgiven. Right? Because if you reject the one way that you receive salvation, you, you push that free gift away that's being given to you, you don't receive that gift. And the whole idea of salvation is that you accept the work of Jesus Christ. You embrace it. You turn to God. You love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and accept the gift he's given through Jesus by faith. 
you are forgiven, washed clean of all your sins, and you were made righteous through Jesus Christ. Well, if you reject all of that, then you cannot be forgiven. And so there is an, un, uh, an unforgi- unforgivable sin, if I can say that word this morning. And there is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Uh, Paul talks about this, someone who's walking on the path of life. And the Bible tells us, too, in the New Testament that God does not punish for the sake of punishing. Okay, when we think of punishment, the, the idea of punishment is that justice is served. Okay, see, Jesus has already paid it all, and all to him I owe, all right? Jesus paid for your sins and my sins. To say that we are being punished as if justice is being served for something we've done wrong is not the right way to look at it. The New Testament always describes um, God correcting his children, setting them back right, steering them back in the right direction. Right? When we discipline our children, the purpose of it is not to punish them and for them for justice to be served. The reason we discipline our children, we correct our children, is in order for them to grow, for them to learn, for them to mature, to help them get back on the right path and steer them in the right direction. That's the purpose of discipline for our children. It's the same in our relationship with God, and the Bible describes this time and time again in the New Testament. So God is going to steer us back right, but see, if our hearts are hardened and we have rejected him, and most likely never accepted him in the first place, when reproof comes and it's rejected, then we are not children of our Father, okay? We completely reject his correction, reproof, that's what reproof is, it's correction, all right, not punishment, it, not justice being served. It's correction to get us back on the right path. Okay, the way is the path, and if we reject that, then death is what awaits us. Okay, so some really good stuff here. Some reminders for us in these three verses to examine our own hearts, to examine whether or not we're being genuine in our our actions and in our words. And we need to consistently think about this and examine our hearts continually as Christians so that we're not just going through the motions, so that we're not presenting a wicked sacrifice to God when we come to church and when we serve him and serve others. But we need to understand that first and foremost, what is most important is that we have a broken and contrite heart before God. As Psalm 51 says, David says that it's not a sacrifice you want, God. It's not an animal sacrifice that you really desire. What you desire is a heart that is submissive and surrendered to you. And that's how we need to approach always our relationship with God. Remember, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Have a wonderful and blessed day. I'm going to be gone next week, so we're going to have a break um, from these devotions. But I'll start back the following Monday. Take care. Have a blessed weekend. And I'll see you again soon. Bye. Mm -hmm.